the Lord really very sweetly and quietly uh, spoke into my heart over the last two weeks. And just this phrase, let healing come. Because sometimes we get into a strife about the things that God wants, that he has already freely given us and he wants us to just receive. Because part of what the enemy's plan is, is fear and strife. And when Jesus comes, when he's working and doing, he's saying, relax, let healing come, let healing come, let healing come, let healing come. It's not dependent on what you do. The baseline and the core is not dependent on what you do or what I do or what anyone does. It is dependent on what he did. And so, um, remind me to talk to you about the what the prayer watch after I get through talking about this. Don't let me get out of here without talking to you about the prayer watch starting at 7 on Tuesday and, and going through to Wednesday and then the prayer and fasting Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday where we'll join the Lou Engel uh, fasting and prayer for the country. Um, hallelujah. This is... Uh, in the story of the Gospels. There was at Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool. It was was called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda because it had five porches. It had five places for the sick to lie or lay. I guess it depends on how they got there, if they were laying or lying. You know, lay, lie, effect, and effect. I can never get them right. So if it's wrong in the bulletin, effect, (laughs) all you English people just swallow that. (laughs) It's right at the E over top of the A. There was at Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, it was by the place. You know what the sheep gate was? The sheep gate was where the sacrifices were brought into the city. That's right. The sheep gate is where the, the lamb that was going to be sacrificed on, on the Day of Atonement, the things, the, the sacrifices, the goats of the, that would, would be brought and all those things where they were sacrificed. They were brought through the sheep gate. And so it was at that place where the sacrifice was coming in. Where there was this pool with these five porches, lots of space for people to either lay or lie, depending on how they got there. And But they were there waiting. There was lots of space waiting. They were waiting on something specific. They weren't waiting on Jesus to come walking by because they didn't know about that. They were waiting on something that they were accustomed to. They were waiting for a a tradition, because there was a good tradition there, a really good one. There was a tradition there, and I'm assuming it's a God tradition. You know, all traditions are not bad, 
It's a God tradition. An angel would come and stir the water. You just visualize that in your mind for a minute. Here are these five porches with invalids, needy people that need assistance. Sometimes I need assistance. Sometimes I'll say, get the crane. If I get down, forget it. Jimmy got down on his knees. I thought, well, I hope they don't expect me to. When they did the installation, I got down on my knees. I thought I'd die before I got back up. <laughs> Literally, I felt like that there was some sort of a saw going across my hamstrings. But anyway, uh, so don't be afraid. I'm not sick. I'm just sniveling because I'm crying, and you know how that works. I need to get a Kleenex. So. Um, so this tradition was that the angel would stir the water. And so all of these people that were either laying or lying, they were waiting on what always would happen. And then there at the sheep gate came what John the Baptist called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He came walking by there. And there was a man lying there, been there forever. And Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world there at the Sheep Gate, not the traditional way. This is not the way it always had been. It was something new and different that was getting ready to happen. And Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world came to the guy and said, do you want to be made whole? And I thought that was sozo, so I started into this. I was writing all my notes, and I'm like, do you want to be sozo? Do you want to be made? That's not what the word is. It's not sozo. I'm like, whoa, I'm glad I didn't preach. That one time I preached a whole sermon on Noah taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. I got a revelation off of it. I had a revelation off of it. That's where I learned you can get revelations of the flesh. You can just get excited about some idea that you think of. Anyway, so, so here he comes to this one. He was laying there. He wasn't lying. He was lying. And so he was... Jesus, Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Do you want to be sound in body, sound in mind? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made wholesome? Do you want to be made something amazingly wonderful? And the man said, like so many of us say, when we realize, oh, this hasn't happened that I thought was going to happen. We start with the grouchy. I started to use the B word. Jesus help me. Although Beth texted me this morning that uh, some great minister, Rodney Howard Brown, had, I think, used the word shizzle. And I'm like, whoa! Uh, but anyway, he's like, you want to be made completely well all over? Well, sound, be able to stand up strong. Well, actually, I'm getting ready to file a grievance. 
against this pool. Because there's like a discriminatory practice going on in this pool. I can't get closer to it. And I'm going to file a grievance. I got it all lined up exactly how I'm going to do that. Because this is not working. And he starts with the, well, I, well, this isn't working for me. Well, I can't. Well, I don't have this and that and the other. And Jesus is like, he said, well, I don't have anybody. I want to tell you now, if you need to be whole so you can stand up strong, you don't need anybody. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, He's going to come to you. He'll probably come through a person because that's how it works in the church and life. But I'm going to tell you, if you're looking to a person or a formula or a situation that's going to make something straight in you that's crooked, just give it up right now. Take, rip up your paper that says, Procedures for the grievance. Rip up your procedures for a grievance, throw it away, and say, okay, God, do what you do. And however you do it, and through whomever you do it, put your eyes not on the, the normal way it always has been. The normal way for you, the normal way of life, how you always think about, this is how this has to work. Pull your eyes up off of how this is how it has to work and look up to this stranger that's coming by, which is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world there by the sheep gate, that he's saying, do you want to be really whole? And so... He goes, well, you know, I'm going to do it in Teresa's voice. Well, you know, <laughs> that's how Teresa does. You, you know, Jane, you know. Well, you know, I don't have anybody to put me in when the angel troubles the water. He's giving his reasons to the maker of the angel. He's functioning in what he knows. But do you know, do you know, you know, Jesus wants us to begin to function in what we have not functioned in previously. He wants us to begin to function in a whole new paradigm. He wants us to begin to function as individuals in a hope in God that's greater and bigger and broader than we have ever had. And so we're in a... a a hard situation around the globe and people are uh, as we've prayed they're they're fearful and doubtful and all sorts of things and you know if you read I love epidemiology and and epidemiologist and public health I love those things because I can tell you now public health is one reason people aren't dying of typhoid right now in this room. I mean, they're really, those things brought the quality of life up. But our hope is going to ratchet into something that is greater than what we know. As, as 
not just in this current circumstance, which we're praying into. And we'll pray a watch, a 24-hour watch on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we'll, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as many who can will fast and sign up online so they can count us in the count of the global fasting and prayer called the Jesus Fast to stand down this plague on the earth. And so, you know, we like to tell the story about John Lake and how germs died in his hand. But God's calling on us in our day and in our time to believe for something that is beyond what we've known before. We can't lay here at a pool and say, I don't have anybody to buy me toilet paper. I don't have anybody to provide me with the high-quality uh, protective gear. We need to leave that kind of stuff alone, the protective gear, and leave that for hospital people should it be needed. But our hearts should be going into prayer in a way that those things will not be advancing. And so here he is. The man, the man with no strength, verse 7 of John, I think it's 5, thank you. Let me tell you what I did. I copied this scripture and forgot to put the chapter on it. <laughs> so that's why I didn't tell you where it was, because I didn't know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, 5-7. The weak man answered him, I, sir, I don't have anybody. And Jesus said to him, well, let me explain to you how healing really works, weak man. Let me give you lots of training and teaching here on how healing really works, weak man. Let me be sure you understand exactly what you need to do, weak man. Jesus spoke to him and said, get up. He said, get up, rise, take up your bed and walk. Because Jesus had within him, maker of the angel, lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He had with him, within him, knowing where he'd come from, who he was and where he was going, within him, the power to say those words. Now, What I want to do today is encourage us to lift up our eyes above all the, in, all the people who can't get up that either are laying or lying. To lift up our eyes above the water, to lift up our eyes above, is the water moving, is the water not moving? To lift up our eyes to Jesus and to consider him. Will you be made whole? The word whole is two O's is choose, ooze. Hogies. Hogies. In Greek, hogies. And it means sound, healthy, pure, and whole. Sound. 
In Psalm 38, verse 3, the psalmist says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger. The psalmist is considering that God has come out against him. There is no soundness in his flesh. Do you ever feel when things are not working right and healing isn't coming? That God has come out against you? Oh, I felt God has come out against me many times. Many times. What more can I do, God? What's, what's the deal? I've, done, I've beat my head against this wall so many times. Oh, God. God has come out against you. There's no soundness in my flesh because of your anger. There is no health in my bones. Soundness in my flesh is a Hebrew counterpart of, of the word in, in the Greek of when Jesus said whole. Soundness means to be completed, to be whole. Health in my bones, the word health in Hebrew, is shalom. So I want to say to you and to your bones and everything about you, let shalom be in your bones. Let healing come. That's how it came to me. It came to me as like, if you'll let healing come, I'll give you peace that will be shalom in your bones. The shalom of God is more than just peace, peace of God. It is wholeness. It is health. It is where your body is just beating with the movement of how God is moving and who God is. And you're in sync with the very presence of God and with who He is. And that is what God desires to give us. He, the psalmist says after he says this, this is all because of my sin. My iniquity has gone over my head. So there's no shalom in my bones because my iniquity has gone over my head. Any area where you're feeling like, oh, I'm not receiving because I've, uh, I can't pray for the sick because of sin. God has come out against me because I've done something bad. I've done two or three bad things in my life. I have done two or three. I'm sure you guys have done two or three bad things. You could write down your bad things. You could write down the things that you wish you had taken a different approach and done this differently. Or you wish, uh, God, what have I done that, that this has displeased you? And, or you might know exactly what you did. Oh my gosh, I looked three times at that. I shouldn't have looked at. Or... I, God forbid, did something adulterous. God forbid, I turned away from the Lord and turned my back on Him and gave myself to something that was idolatrous. God forbid, I sought for things from God through Occult means, God forbid. I mean, you can, the devil will give you a litany of things to tell you that things, that wholeness, soundness, and shalom is not in you because of this, 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 and this. I want to stand that down right now in Jesus' name. And I want to say the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. It was that Lamb who was at that sheep gate who was talking to that man. It was the one who had the power on earth to forgive sins. We don't wait till we go to heaven. You know, when I was a, a good Methodist, or a Methodist, let me say. I was a good one, though. 
because I kept getting resaved. <laughs> we had revivals every spring. And you all have heard me tell the story. So when the spring revival came around, I would go to the altar. I was a slight idiot. Uh, I was a dramatic person. As my, um, in my permanent school record over at Gate City, it says, Jane tends to be a little dramatic at times. <laughs> Jamie tends to be a little dramatic at times. So I would go up to get saved again, and then I would have to confess to the whole Nottingham Methodist Church, all those people, well, I went out for the prom, and I got drunk, and I was with boys, and the ladies in the church, their eyes were this big. I mean, this was in the 60s. People didn't get up and make confessions like that in the 60s. But anyway, so I'm like, getting saved again, getting saved again. And I thought, but this is the same kind of thing where the enemy tries to stand you down from pressing in to pray for the sick or to believe that your prayers can be answered. It's the same concept. You may not be coming to the altar to get saved again, but it's the same concept. I've trusted the Lord, but I did something wrong since then. So now I've got to start all over. Now there's no soundness in my bones. There's no shalom in me, because I'm trusting myself for my shalom. I want to encourage you today to take everything that's in your heart and lean it, lay it over on the one who took away the sins of the world and let the one who has the authority on earth to forgive sins, to forgive and release and let the shalom of God come into your bones and come into your body, the soundness and the wholeness that he wants to give. He wants to heal us body, soul, and spirit. So I want to uh, read to you a little piece from Isaiah 53. And I want to read to you actually Isaiah 53 where it says, by his stripes we are healed. Talking about how he bore things for us. Because the reason... The enemy, when the enemy comes out against you with, for, about a sickness or if you're going to pray for someone, he's coming out with solid accusation. And he doesn't really make things up, I don't, I don't think. I think if you can't condemn yourself, then the enemy will come and he'll start bringing up things. They've been long taken care of or whatever. Bringing up things. And... That is to cause you to try to solve something that only Jesus could ever solve. Who takes away sin? Are we, are we, do we believe the gospel? When we were in Illinois, I, went, I would go to Ash Wednesday at the Catholic Church. And I would go to the Catholic Church and the priest would put the ashes on my head and he would say, remember that you were ashes. Then at 11 o'clock I would go to the Methodist Church downtown where the pastor was a born-again believer from St. Paul, Virginia. <laughs> and they would put the ashes on my head and say, repent and believe the gospel. Well, that's just the difference. that The Catholics say... Um, 
you are ashes, and the Methodist in the Episcopal Church, which the Methodists were Episcopalians, they say, repent and believe the gospel. Well, I want to tell you today, you are ashes. So repent and believe the gospel. Because all flesh is grass, and the glory of it like the flower of the grass. Today you're strong and great, and tomorrow you're a, a basket case. We cannot put our confidence in our flesh, or in anyone else's for that matter. Our confidence has to be firmly rooted in that lamb who was set there at the sheep gate, who took away the sins of the world and has power on the earth to forgive sins. And so if we're going to be people that receive healing, give healing, pour out healing, our focus has to come off of the technicalities of things, I thought I had a big solution for David for healing this week. And I went with him to the doctor. And I put my idea out there. And man, he came right down my throat. He said, absolutely not. And I went, whoa, God, I have crossed a line here. So our solutions, as smart as we think we might be about our solutions, or our ideas of what's right or what's wrong, will never match what Jesus has for us. It will not. In the time frame where the Lord touched my heart with the word let healing come, in that time frame, the Spirit spoke something else to me, which is what I want to begin to talk about as these weeks lead up to celebrating the resurrection, which every Sunday is a resurrection celebration. You do know that, don't you? This is not the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. The Jewish Sabbath is Saturday. The Christians worshiped on the first day of the week. This is the first day of the week. The Sabbath was yesterday. And this is the first day of the week, which is celebration of the resurrection. So when you're fasting like through Lent, you don't ever fast on Sunday because Sunday's a celebration, always. Celebration of the resurrection. That's just like church history, uh, nerdy information. Not dirty information, nerdy information. Um, <laughs> so, in that time frame, the Lord reminded me of something. When I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was not here, I was in a small group that came out of the 48 revival out of uh, North Battleford, Saskatchewan. And I was told, you should never have a crucifix. Because Jesus is still on the cross. And Jesus isn't on the cross. He's raised from the dead. So you should never have a crucifix. That's like, it was almost like a, like this could be an icon, like an idol thing. An icon. And so I just kind of took that to think. I never thought about that, no. That came to my mind, and the Holy Spirit said to me, I didn't say, remember my resurrection till I come. 
And I thought, well, I guess you didn't. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And then in the epistles, I believe is where it is, Paul says, remember the Lord's death until he comes. And so the Lord turned my heart toward, I want you to think on my death. Well, why do you want me to think on your death? You're raised from the dead. Isn't that like going too far back in time or something? And I want to read to you some of Brian Simmons' footnotes out of the Passion Translation of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 3. Let me get, get the scripture up here so I can read the scripture. And then Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is the scripture that is the suffering servant. It is the scripture that describes the Lamb of God, the real Lamb coming through the sheep gate. It describes his death. And Isaiah 53. The prophet described his death with such accuracy. It put faith in you to consider it. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. So when you're considering the Lord's death, Think about the times you turned your face away from suffering that he had something that was hard in your life. Turning your face away from suffering is turning your face away from him because they could not stand to look at him because who he was in his death was not what they wanted. They wanted an already crowned king. But in order to enter into the glory of the resurrection, you have to come into the fellowship of his suffering. And the fellowship of his suffering is not, oh God, give me some like whips and things and I'll just go around beating myself like the flagellantes and just do battle to my flesh and beat myself and suffer in my own flesh. And if I suffer in my own flesh, then I can enter into his glory. It's not that you enter into suffering in your flesh in order to redeem someone from suffering. He's already paid that redemption. But the faith to enter into the, what he released in that redemption, we enter into that faith by looking at him in his suffering. By not turning our face away from his suffering. By considering what price did he pay. And as you begin to gaze on him and look on him and consider his suffering, faith will begin to come up in you because of the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of God. So, footnote. Jesus was the most, the most emotionally whole and healed man that ever walked on the earth. This is, I think his name is Brian Simmons, isn't it? Uh, the translator of the Passion. Jesus was the most emotionally whole and healed man that ever walked the earth. He did not absorb the insults and the rejections of his own neighbors. He was emotionally whole, and there he was. 
They're looking at one who's emotionally whole and despising him. Uh, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows because he was completely whole. So what, was, what he was bearing and what was coming on him was what was ours. He bore what was ours. So when we trust in him by faith and we come and we're baptized and come up out of that baptismal water, we're walking with him, unified in faith and heart in the resurrection and we're in the world of his wholeness. Uh, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. This is fulfilled in two ways. First, when the Lamb of God carried away diseases when he walked the earth, like when he took the disease of the man who was laying or lying at the pool. And second, by paying the sin price for all humanity on the cross with his sacred blood. It was one who was completely emotionally and in every way whole who came. He was that perfect lamb, not a spot, not a blemish. The lamb that was brought to atone for sin could never have a spot or a blemish, and he had none. Stricken, uh, Y'all just clue in here. Stricken, a word used for one who was struck with leprosy. The word used here is the word they use for the one who's struck with leprosy. Because of this, the Jewish Talmud gives many options about this verse. Not options, opinions. Excuse me, I need deliverance. About this verse, then offers an authoritative ruling of the sages. The rabbis say his name is the leper. Remember when Miriam rebelled and she was stricken with leprosy? Leprosy was the disease that they considered to be like a rebellion against God disease. And so the, the rabbis called him, his name, the leper, as it is said in Isaiah 53, 4. Surely our sicknesses he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Their conclusion was that the Messiah would be called the leper of the house of rabbi. And they understood that he would not be an actual leper, but that he would carry spiritual leprosy of the people, from the people, as a leper carries his affliction. So when Jesus came and he was coming to his death, they consider the word that's used for him in Isaiah the prophet when he's describing him, describes him as the one who's carrying the spiritual leprosy, the worst of the worst of what we can do. He is carrying it, smitten, and taking it to a death. In verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised 
for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I want you just to listen and let this enter into you as, a, as something to think on and something to ponder over. Let healing come. You don't have to try to figure out how you're exactly going to believe all this so then you can be a great healing revivalist. Healing has already come. Let healing come. Verse 5, the Hebrew word shalom means peace, prosperity, wholeness, success, well-being. All of these have come to us through Christ's sufferings. These things come to us through his sufferings. This is where he was gathering up the goods. And so I said, Lord, I always think about your resurrection. I always think, which is wonderful, because that's where my life is. It's, our life is in the resurrected life that's in him. But how he got to that place on his way there, this is how he gathered up all of us, all the yuck of us. How he took it on himself. And how he bore it. It wasn't a technicality. He, he became these things. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So, Hebrew word could be translated among his bruises and in his bruises. The Hebrew word for wounding, scourging, is shabura. And it means the blueness of the wounds. But shabura is taken from the root word shabar, which means to join together. Hear me. To join together, to unite, to have fellowship with, to become a couple. A nuanced translation of Isaiah 53, 5 would say, in the fellowship of being one with him, in the blueness of his wounds is our healing. In the fellowship of being one with him is our healing. So I want to invite you over the next weeks and over the next space of time not to consider it to be negative or macabre to consider the price that he paid. Because that is the season we're in as, as a church worldwide. We're in a season where we're considering the price that he paid. And when we come to the time of our Good Friday service and we come to the time of the resurrection, I pray that every one of us will have so much of a deeper understanding of the suffering that he did and the price that he paid and that we will be in the fellowship of that in a way that healing will be flowing in us and through us and from us in a much stronger way. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the Word of God. This do in remembrance of me. When he said that to the disciples that night, they had no idea what they were going to have to remember. 
this do in remembrance of me. And then remember the Lord's death till he come. That we might become sound in body, that we might become sound in soul, that we might become sound in spirit, whole and strong and able to stand up, not bent over, not in any shame, but in a place of identification, revelatory identification with the fact that Jesus did this. He did this for me. So when it came down to it, they ran. You know, was it Peter who hacked off the ear of the slave of the high priest? Like, you're not taking my, my uh, soon coming king of Israel here. We're going to be delivered from you people. And just slashed his ear off. One of my favorite movies, and you know, I hate it that Mel Gibson had to have whatever kind of sin happened in his life, that he felt he needed to do some sort of a, of a repentance and do the movie The Passion of the Christ. I really hate all that history about that movie in the sense of that, but I love that movie. And what I love about it is how you can just see. It's like, it's like the little clips you can get now from a, an app called The Chosen where they just flesh out the miracles of Jesus or the things that Jesus has done in drama. And you can kind of see how it goes. Well, in that uh, clip of the passion of the Christ and seeing how they, it, it's not a, a, it wasn't like a, a sweet little thing where they're having the Last Supper and he's like, oh, okay, whoever I kiss, you know, they're going to betray me, and then they go betray them, and then they just carry him off in a, in a wagon, and it's sweet, and, and the music is playing, they're playing, come home, come home, and it's all so sweet and nice. I mean, they were ripping, tearing, ripping people's clothes off, uh, blood everywhere. It was soldier life the night he died, or the night he was taken. And they took him away from justice. They took him away from justice. And it was a brutal event. And his friends could not bear to look at it. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. We ran. We saved our own hide. We were afraid. But in the blueness of these wounds is where our healing comes out from. Let's remember the price that he paid. And as we love him and worship him, I promise you that considering his death, and as we look on him that was pierced, the minor prophets tell us that they will look upon him who has been pierced and they will mourn for him. And that God will pour on us a spirit of supplication. A spirit of prayer will be given through the consideration of the prices that Jesus has paid. It's not given by us figuring out how you get a spirit of prayer, blah, blah, blah. But I want to encourage you over this space of time, starting today, let's lift up our eyes to Jesus.
and let's consider him, his life, his death, his suffering, his resurrection. And as we identify with him and consider him and read the word of God and eat it and take it in, faith comes into you through this. It will break your heart and rebuild your heart. It will wash you of your own denials of God and give you new beginnings to be obedient to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.